0: Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Welcome everyone. Welcome to City Beautiful Church. so good to have you all with us. Um, today is uh, Church Vision Sunday, as Steve so eloquently put it, um, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm really excited. What we're going to do today, uh, we're going to kind of center on the Lord, uh, meditating on a psalm, just to create the space for you to, to, to sit and to hear from the Lord. That's you know, pretty central to who we are as a church community, that we believe God speaks to each one of us. We're all capable of it, of listening to Him. Um, and that God desires to speak to each of you. And so we're going to meditate on a psalm. I'm going to talk a little bit about how we do vision here because it might be a little bit different from what you're used to. Um, And then talk uh, about the vision that God has given us for this year. So I'm going to pray, and then um, I'm going to kind of have us enter in through Psalm 29. It's going to be up on the screen. So if you're a visual person like me, you want to read along, uh, by all means do so. Um, if you're the kind of person you like to make notes, by all the means, like take out your phone or whatever, like make those notes, and I'm going to give you some time after I finish reading the psalm just for you to sit in whatever the Lord is showing to you um, and just see what happens. You know, be willing to be surprised and delighted. It may have absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking about today, and that's okay because it's between, uh, it's between you and the Lord. So I'm going to pray, and um, yeah, we'll just see what he's up to. So Father, we testify the truth that you are here and that you are with us, uh, you are for us, you are not against us. And Lord, we thank you for uh, beginnings. We thank you for, for starting things. That there's a new word that you desire to speak to us, uh, but we also remember, like the community of John writes, um, that it's a new word that's also a very old word. That whatever you speak to us today is something that you've been speaking since the beginning of time. Uh, But maybe today's the day that we need to tune our ears to hear you say it to each of us. So Lord, as we meditate on the words uh, of this psalm, I pray that you would open our ears to hear your voice. You'd open our hearts to receive your truth, open our eyes to see you move in and through us, that as we um, go about our business this week, we know we've met with you and it's brought us new life. Just speak, Lord, for we're listening. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. the voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Now, I want you just to take two minutes. And just sit with that. Maybe the Lord's giving you a a visual. Maybe there's a, a word or a phrase that's jumping out to you. Maybe something just makes you curious, like there's not an answer, but there's an invitation to sit with something. Whatever that might be, just take this time with the Lord to sit in that. Amen. It's a good psalm. There's a lot in there. We begin with this, this I love this word, ascribe. It's not one that we use very often. Um, but it really speaks to worship, to give worth to God, that we begin by seeing him for who he truly is and recognizing God. And we even talked about a little bit last week with Epiphany. That the Magi, the invitation of the Magi, is for us to turn from our Herodian instinct, which is that you and I, we're looking for Jesus, but we want Jesus to support what we already want out of life. We want Jesus to, to validate the power that we already retain, and if we don't, if he doesn't do that, we're going to kind of chuck him out. And we see this all the time in our political sphere. We see both parties using the name of Jesus to justify their, the planks in their party affiliation. And before long, Jesus just becomes a mascot for whatever it is we as human beings desire. But we have to purge ourselves of that Herodian instinct to come to Jesus expecting that the first thing we want is something from him. That's why he exists. He exists to give us stuff. And we need to enter in like the Magi to say, We're just, we just want to worship him. We don't even understand who he is. Remember, these guys are like pagans from a distant land. They're magicians. They're, they're not They're certainly, maybe they're the first Christians, we talked about that, you know, but they don't really know a lot about him, but they're like, we want to come and we want to worship him. And so this psalm, I love that it has us enter in with that, ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name. And then it speaks about the voice of God. When God speaks, things change, things move, things are transformed. When God speaks, that's his glory being revealed. You know, what is glory? It's that word, it just means, where is he? Oh, there he is. Because I see the evidence of what happens when God speaks, when God moves. And I love that last little bit at the end. And I think this is is so important for you to latch on to when we're talking about vision today that the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Last night, I was watching uh, The Hobbit, the Battle of Five Armies, as one does on a Saturday night. And there was this moment where uh, Dane, king of the Iron Hills, right? You guys are familiar with the story. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, Thor, I'm giving a bunch of names and a bunch of people. You're like, what the hell is he talking about? <clears throat> There's a bunch of dwarves, okay? And one dwarf comes out, and the other dwarf is like, to the king. And I got teary-eyed because it's an epic scene, and it's amazing, and Martin Freeman deserves all the Oscars that could be possibly given to him. But he yelled to the king, and I remember that our friend Garrett Callahan, years ago, um, Garrett, has, he moved up north with, to be closer to his family a couple years back. We were sitting at a coffee shop, and he, he was painting, and he painted this flag, and it said, to the king, and he's like, this is what, a word that I feel like the Lord has given me for you. Like, this is your role. This is what you do. You rally people to the king. And I got really emotional because I remember that, and I was thinking over the past several years in our community how much we've, like, kind of voraciously established King Jesus is the center of everything that we are and that we're trying to do as a community, that he becomes the lens. Come on in, guys. Let's not make it awkward. (laughs) Devin and Jen Swanson, everyone. All right. All right. Um, I made it awkward? No, me? I would never do that. And it's like, I just feel this, this deep and profound necessity. There's a vitality now that I think Christianity is fading in the West um, that we take very seriously what our priorities are. I don't think cultural Christianity is going to live for very much longer. And you're seeing that all around us, right? And it's not a left or right thing. It's like a plague on both your houses, Mercutio kind of thing, you know? Um, and what is it that like makes us Christian? Jesus. Oh my gosh! Like we kind of forgot about that. But it's no longer convenient uh, to be a Jesus follower. It's no con- more convenient to kind of this centered act of everything we are, getting behind him. And indeed, that's been the vision for this past year when we said all our allegiance to King Jesus. What is allegiance as faith, as gathering up every part of who we are, mind, body, heart, spirit, and following Jesus wherever he might lead us, recognizing that he is the one true king. And everything that we do in our community kind of centers around these these three primary theological values that we established a few years ago, and this is what they are. So this, you you know, in uh, professional terms, this would be like our mission statement as a church. Um, By cultivating intimacy with Father God, we're inhabiting our identity in Christ, and we're discovering our purpose as a Spirit-led church. It's very nice, it's Trinitarian, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, like, we got it all in there. And so intimacy, identity, and purpose, these are our three primary values as a church, because One of the things that I've noticed in cultural Christianity is this is often reverted. We say, I've got a bunch of stuff that I have to do. I have to behave appropriately, right? It's action first. And if I behave enough, well enough, then maybe I get to become somebody and I can earn the right to enter into the presence of God. So intimacy is like the last stage. But I think true faith recognizes, no, it's by cultivating this intimacy with God where we learn how to hear his voice, we learn how to follow him, we learn to allow him to do things in our lives that we previously didn't think were possible, that we become, we inhabit that identity that we have in Christ. It's not just showing up on a Sunday and, and acknowledging, oh yeah, I'm a son or daughter of the living God. Okay, let's go back to life. How do I actually inhabit that in my day-to-day reality? And in doing so, and recognizing not what I'm supposed to do, but who I am at the core because of what God has done in and through me, then we discover our purpose as the church, that wherever we go, we are being led by the Spirit of God to be the hands and feet of Christ. And so everything we do as a church filters through these values. Um, From our big picture annual vision as a church community down to our uh, ministries to workshops and events, if it doesn't pass through these three things, I'm not interested. And I've told a lot of our leaders when they come to me with ideas, I'm like, great, how does it touch these things? If it doesn't touch this, I'm not super interested in it because this is what we need to be about as a church. And I think it's interesting when we when we talk about you know the, the beginning of the year and having New Year's resolutions or you know having plans as human beings, we have five-year plans or 10-year plans or whatever it is, and I have nothing wrong with those things, but so often it's this tight-fisted vision of what the future is supposed to be. We're still trying to control the narrative. And so here's my plan, here's the program that I'm going to run to do it, and that's going to be the measurement of success. And a lot of that kind of corporate mentality i think corporations run this way and they do it very very well obviously Um, that corporate idea has kind of melded its way into church and we run churches like corporations so we come up with five year plans ten year plans we have we have numbers and we have pie charts and i found a pie chart program that i could make that pie chart you saw earlier so i'm learning how to do pie charts everybody's doing pie charts these days it's the hot news trend for 2022 So often, then, what we think of when we think of church and we think of vision is vision is we have to reach this level by this date in order for it to be successful. And I don't know if that's how vision is supposed to work when we're following the promptings of God. Because what happens to us so often when we overly prescribe where we're supposed to be in a year? We leave God behind. Or God becomes the accessory, right? We take up that Herodian instinct again. And say, this is, the, this is where I'm supposed to end up by the end of 2022, and Jesus is an accessory for me to get what I want out of life, that I want to be more happier, or I want to, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Like, we've accessorized Jesus to our lives um, because we're the ones that are still in charge. And I think when we, when we think about the journey of faith for us as individuals or for us as a community, I think vision isn't always about where we're going to end up. But oftentimes vision is about the kind of people that we want to be whenever we get there. And I've talked about this a lot when we look at the story of Israel in the desert. Why were they in the desert for 40 years? It takes two and a half weeks to walk that that trek. It's not that far. What was God doing in those 40 years? Was that Israel being rescued out of slavery and death in Egypt came to Yahweh through Moses and they said, Okay, we need a plan. Like, what's the game plan? What's it going to look like? Tell me about this promised land. How do I prepare? How do I accept? Like, what podcasts do I need to listen to in order to get, and, he, and Yahweh kept saying to them, like, I'm with you, and they're like, okay, cool, but anyway, like, so what's the plan? Like, what's the five-year plan? It's the 10-year plan. How are we going to hashtag crush this? And he said, no, I'm with you, because God is saying, until you understand that I'm with you, the promised land is never, the promised land is just another patch of dirt in the desert. And for you and I, this is what we do. We're in so much of a rush. It's like it's woven into our American sentiment. Sorry, it's woven into your American sentiment, sentiments, Steve, to have to like, perform and plan and do all these things. And we're, so often, we're not actually following the prompting of God, but what if we shift vision from being, these are the kinds of things that I want to accomplish and I'm going to use Jesus' name to do so, to actually, I don't know where he's going to lead me. But I know that if I cultivate intimacy with God today, wherever we end up is going to be the promised land. And it's going to be far better than anything that I could have imagined on my own. So how do we do vision as a church? Um, four years ago, I became, people come up to me and they go, are you the lead pastor? And I'm like, You're, this is it. <laughs> like I'm, the la- I'm the last man standing. I'm the guy. And um, that was, you know, that was a, it was a very interesting position to be in. And, and when people started to ask about what's the vision and what's the plan, I felt all this tremendous pressure that I've, I've got to be the guy that's coming up with the programs and the plans and the really cool banners and, and all these things to kind of keep this thing, to give it momentum or to give it shape or whatever it was. But I recognize I'm not that guy. Like, that's not my skill set. Other pastors have that skill set. It's not mine. And I didn't want to be... Moses going up on top of the mountain, right? So what happens to Israel in the desert, they say we need someone, like whatever, that God that's up on top of the mountain, I don't know if I can handle that. We need someone to go on our behalf. So Moses is the one that's constantly in in the intimate presence with God on behalf of the people. Like he's doing it for them because they're not ready to do it for themselves. Um, And I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be Moses going on top of the mountain for you. Um, I don't have the time. I don't have the skill set. Like, I got other things going on in my life. Uh, but more importantly, you have the Holy Spirit, and you're capable of hearing the voice of God. And so when we move from that kind of Old Testament model of, like, here's the guy, he's the linchpin, he's the one that's going on top of the mountain, and then he's coming down, and he's just informing everybody of the thing, um, I wanted us to make a pivot to more of a New Testament model of what we see there in the early church that it's more about this collective ability to hear the voice of God, and then it's the discernment of the community. Now, there may be somebody central there that's helping to kind of collate it, and that's, that's really what I do. And so in the fall of each year, our elders, our staff, and our key leaders, we all come together, we spend time in worship, and then we reflect on the past year. And we begin to read the story of our community over the past year to see what is it that God has done, much of which has kind of surprised and delighted us. And then I give each of our leaders uh, three primary questions, and they go away, and they take time, and they pray over these things. Um, reflecting on the past. What is it that God's doing right now and what might just be over the horizon? And then we bring it back together and we just kind of open it up. Anybody just share, what do you feel like the Lord's saying? And someone might say, well, I got this visual from the Lord and they've drawn a little picture and someone says, well, I, I got this Bible verse or that reminds me of this thing. And it's amazing to see over the years the utter consistency when the people of God come together, take the time to slow down, to listen to him And then the thread that is woven through what people are perceiving God is speaking. And so then I take all of that and I try to collate it and and give it uh, some shape. And I I love that this is the way that we do vision. I think it takes us off the pressure of like the one person who has to be the guy to to do everything for us. And instead it says like this is us participating in the life of a spirit-led community. So... That brings us to our vision for 2022, drum Do <laughs> You see that? Wow, I should go work at Disney. Taylor, me up with the job. From the throne flows a river of renewal. I like this vision because I have no idea what it means. <laughs> and I have no idea where it's going to take us. And that excites me. I know some of you, you love plans and you love when things are clearly defined. I don't. I am very comfortable with ambiguity. I love just kind of showing up and seeing what happens. And so this kind of feels like that. But what it does for me is it really feels like a natural progression from last year. That our vision, as I said, was all our allegiance to King Jesus. That it was very much a year of intimacy, of kind of focusing in on Jesus as our one true king. And we're looking at that word allegiance as a way to translate faith, that faith isn't a passive acknowledgement of this thing that's happening over there, but that faith is participation. Faith is us showing up, especially when we're struggling with our beliefs or when we don't really know Uh, what's going on around us or we feel this kind of disorientation of modern life like faith is I'm continuing to show up I'm continuing to participate and I'm continuing to acknowledge that Jesus is king even if I don't always feel that and so this feels like a really natural progression like okay so we have kind of put Jesus as king front and center we've established that he's on the throne so what is it then that flows from that throne what is the radiance of Jesus as our true King, and so when the leaders came together and everyone's beginning to share, there was there was a, a few threads that came up. Uh, there was a lot of talk about reorientation. So this past year, we talked a lot about this, this natural process that we all go through: orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. That orientation is kind of when you're building your understanding of God yourself, the world around you, how it works. Uh, maybe you grew up in the church or you kind of entered in later in life, but you started to, to construct a worldview. Uh, and then life happened to you. And sometimes those things that you believed about God or the things you believed about yourself or how the world works, it didn't really seem to fit or didn't seem to work. or it, it, There was just too many holes in it. So you're in this season of disorientation. And because Western Christianity confuses faith with certainty. Many of us were trained from the cradle to believe, as soon as I'm not certain, the whole thing must be bunk, and I'm going to walk away from it. Um, Because if I'm not certain, then I must not have faith, which is not the biblical narrative we see time and again. People are constantly disoriented in Scripture, that they don't know the right answer. The thing they thought about God doesn't seem to be working anymore, and they're wrestling through it. But if we are patient, if we are invested in community, if we continue to show up, even in the seasons of disorientation, God begins to do something and reorient us back to what is true. And sometimes the things that are true are the things that we've always believed, but we hold them in new ways. And sometimes it means that we let go of old beliefs to take up something that is bigger and more beautiful and kind of more awe-inspiring. One of the words that came up that ended up in the um, in the, the vision this year in particular, was renewal. Um, that there was a perception that a lot of people in our community are experiencing profound renewal in their faith. And I like that word renewal. Um, it almost feels like an oxymoron to me. Like for something to be new, new means there was something old, but now it's new. But to be renewed means it's like new again. So it's like the same thing but different. And I love that about the word renewal. It doesn't mean there was a thing, we scrapped the thing, and now we've got another thing. It means there was a thing, it got old, but we've made it new, the same thing, we've made it new again. So a lot of you have experienced renewal uh, in your relationship with God. You've experienced renewal in your sense of your own self-worth. You've experienced renewal in what you're on this planet to do, like your purpose, why you're here. You've experienced renewal in um, what what is possible with community. So a lot of us have been experiencing, even in this chaotic era that we've been in, a really deep and profound sense of renewal. <coughs> Excuse me. And one of the really profound things someone said was, it's like we, we keep waiting for the ground beneath our feet to become solid again so that we can move forward, but that's never going to happen. The ground beneath our feet is always going to be shifting and changing. So how do we find a sense of renewal and consistency and the pursuit of God together in a world that's constantly in flux? And that's a very grown-up thing to hold on to. I think for a lot of us, that's what this maturity, this growing looks like, is letting go of this idea that everything's going to find its solid place and everything's going to settle down and then we'll be able to get back to like quote-unquote normal life. I promise it's not COVID. A lot of people were talking about the sense of energy or momentum in our community. That it feels like a lot of this shift. You know, we've had a lot of people kind of leave through the pandemic, the chaotic political climate. But we've had a lot of people show up. My observation has been that a lot of the people that showed up said... Like we, we want, we know where our values are. We have priorities now and we want to take Jesus seriously and we want to find a community that does so. I think there's been a really interesting sense of momentum in that regard that it's people binding together and saying like, this isn't a luxury for me anymore. Like following Jesus, like being part of a church community. It's, it's not something that I do just to kind of like check the box. Like I, this is vital. I need this. And so there's a deep sense of momentum, but there was also a sense of like, well, this energy that we've been kind of building up, it needs to be released, it needs to go somewhere, it's kind of been pent up, like God has kept us in this, uh, this season of being a bit more inwardly focused and kind of getting our house in order, but now that energy needs to be released. And so two images that came up for several people was number one, the image of the throne, uh, and, and God being on the throne, and we recognize in our community, you want to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus. That's, that's the best vision of God we have. Like every other word about God, image of God, submits to Jesus on the throne. Um, and then a river was the other one. People seeing this sense of like, okay, from that throne, there is a, there's a release, this river, and this river kind of goes out into the world to bring renewal. And so that reminded me, of this passage at the very, 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 very end of the uh, scriptures in the book of Revelation. So I want to read that to you. This is Revelation 22, uh, verses 1 to 6. And this is one of those scriptures I really love. Like, if you want to close your eyes and just, like, allow it, like, allow your imagination to run wild, by all means do so. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, these words are trusty and worthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon be take place this is a powerful image from the kind of the end of the story and as I was kind of reading this passage and meditating over it this week I just I was thinking about this in several different angles first of all that we have this river flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city now our community we're called city beautiful church and so that felt really appropriate to me like we are we're an icon of the heavenly city Like at the end, what we see is this new heavens and this new earth and the new Jerusalem. God has reconstituted all of it. He's renewed all of creation. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is scrapped. It's all renewed and redeemed. And it's reestablished this new beautiful city. And so for us as City Beautiful Church and all of the churches around the world and throughout time were these little icons, were these little images, these, these kind of shimmering images of what it looks like when God has finished his rescue project for the whole world. Now that's high. Like, you know, some of us kind of come here just to like make friends or to date, which is fine. I condone it. But like freaking church, you know what I mean? Like this is what this is about. Like, we are an icon of the renewal of all things as the, as the river flows from the throne for our healing. And I love this because what we see here, you know, throughout this, the story of scriptures, is, like, there's this temple. It's this, you know, the tabernacle and the temple. And it's kind of like this is the image of where God is, where he lives. And then there's the image of the sun. And in the end, there is no temple and there is no sun because God himself is the temple. And God himself is the sun. Like, we don't need... Uh, we don't need the model. We don't need the scale model to tell us what God is like. We don't need the reference point because he's right there. And he is the holy place. And he is the sun. He's the one giving us the light. So all these things, like what we're doing right now, this is a sign that's pointing to the more deeper, more beautiful reality that will become apparent to us all at the end of, at the end of days. And I love that this river, it flows from the throne and it flows through the city, and it flows out into the world, and that there's this tree of life on either side. It's kind of like over this river. And the leaves of this tree are from the healing of the nations. And so that tree, it's a reference to the tree of life in Genesis, that this, the tree is, is providing sustenance, and it's providing shelter. It becomes this place of healing. And so even that tree, it's this, it's this image, again, of all things being renewed. And what it tells us is, as John is having this vision and it's kind of speaking back to Genesis, he's saying the end is the beginning. Like it's all, this is that renewal, the things that were old are becoming new again. It's not that God is going to just destroy the world and start all over again. He promised us that he wasn't going to do that. But he's going to take, this is a much harder task. I have a lot of sympathy for God. He's got a lot of work on his hands. He's going to take every single iota, every atom of creation, and he's going to renew it. He's going to bring it back into accord with his design for it, and he's going to put it all back into place to create this new heavens and this new earth. So years and years and years ago, it's been 2011. This is back um, when City Beautiful kind of came out of this young adults ministry called Status, uh, which was at Discovery in South Downtown. Um, I had been invited down uh, to come... And to preach, and that was where I met, like, Cole and a bunch of people, like, for the first time, which was really, really exciting, really neat. And um, I was preaching, and I don't I, I was preaching, I think it was on maybe, like, 1 John, and there was some stuff in there about hope. And I was getting ready to get up on the stage, and the Lord gave me this vision. And this doesn't happen to me often. Like, I don't stand before you as some, like, great bastion of, like, divine visions or whatever. But it does happen to me sometimes. So I'm getting ready to get up on stage, and I have this vision of hope. Now, in uh, the ancient church tradition, an anchor is a symbol of hope, okay? So when you see anchors, that's a symbol of hope. And a lot of times, when I normally think of that, I think of, like, here's this boat on the surface, and then there's the, you know, the uh, cable, and then the anchor is, like, it's beneath the boat anchored into the, the, the sandy bottom of the ocean or whatever it is. That's how we normally think of it. In this vision is I'm getting ready to get up, and I'm getting ready to speak on hope. I saw that the anchor was actually cast off into the distance, like in front of the boat, and it's attached to the shore of this foreign land, this beautiful, amazing foreign land. And God is standing on the shore, and he's just hand over hand pulling this cable, pulling this little vessel, this little boat, into the shore. Now, here's this little boat, and it's here, and it's being tossed back and forth by the waves. And it's chaos, and there's a raging storm, and it doesn't seem like it's turning out. But hand over hand, God is pulling my boat, my little vessel into the future. And I realized that's the actual vision of hope. It's not hope that we're anchored in something today. It's that we're, we're anchored in this certain future and that God is the one that's drawing us into it. And it reminded me of this beautiful passage from uh, Jürgen Moltmann's uh, Theology of Hope where he's talking about it. He says, it is the God of the future who calls back into the present and says, behold, I am making all things new I am making all things new. I am making all things new, and I think that that's so powerful to recognize that it is the God of the future, who hand over hand is pulling you. He's pulling me. He's pulling our community. He's pulling all of creation itself into that beautiful and distant shore that we call the new heavens and the new earth. And so, what can we anticipate this year, as this is our uh, this is our vision? From the throne flows a river of renewal. I think it means the healing for the world, what we see in Revelation. I think it means a deeper commitment to mission that we gather together here on a Sunday, that we worship, that we are formed to look more like Jesus, and then we're sent back out into the world on mission to be part of the process of God healing the world. I think it means a strengthening of our communal bonds that was something that a lot of our leaders pointed to. They felt like there was a new uh, necessity and vitality around community, that we're strengthening what it means to be the church. We're rescuing some of these things that maybe some of us have been a little bit burned by in the past, Um, but as uh, a pastor that I respect tremendously, Rich Valota says, you hurt in community and you heal in community, there's no way around that. And so a lot of us are experiencing renewal and healing in this deep dedication to one another and I think it means a sense of growth for each of us as individuals. But the thing that I come back to time and again with this, this vision for us, not knowing where it's going to take us, but it looks amazing, is that it's a, it's a call back to awe and wonder. I talked about this last week with the, the magi and worship. It's like there's no awe and wonder in the world anymore. We've explained everything. We've reduced it all to... to scientific theory or political theory or whatever it might be, and there's no sense of grandeur in the world. And is it any wonder that so many of us walk away from the faith when it's just become so explainable? It's just so matter-of-fact. But as Karl Rahner reminds us, all good theology should lead us to awe. And how many of us do we pour over scripture? Do we worship or do we enter into community? Do we participate in and witness the healing in our brothers and sisters? And we turn back to the throne and we go, my God. Like, who is he? And one of the things that I want us to do in like reclaiming awe and wonder as Christians is I want us to renew and reclaim the things that have always been the practice of the church. And I think it's part of my, like, punk rock heritage. It's like everybody's going left, I want to go right. And everybody's deconstructing all of these things like scripture and worship and prayer, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just do those things even more. Let's see how that goes. Like, let's throw ourselves into worship. Let's get, get over all of our childish uh, assumptions of, like, oh, well, they didn't play the song that I like or oh, uh, there wasn't enough reverb on the guitars for me, or all that, like, let's grow up. You know what I mean? Like, let's get over that. Let's recognize, like, we've talked about it for years, like, yeah, the scriptures are not a rule book for life. That's a stupid way to read the scriptures. But they're way better. Like, let's reclaim the idea that the scriptures are divinely inspired, but not in the way that you thought. Like, in a way that's far more amazing and far more intricate and beautiful. And you come to these scriptures and you read them, and the the truth of God washes over you, and you're like, "What is this? This is amazing." We've got to move past, like, turning around and beating up the small ideas that we grew up with. Like that'll only get you so far, and then you're still you're left with nothing. What if we reclaim the idea of prayer and believe that something actually happens? Something happens to us when we pray, but something happens through us when we pray. What if our prayers were just drenched in the practice of awe and wonder, especially when we don't feel it? What if we reclaimed the sacraments that we believed when we come to the table of God and we take his body and blood into us, something happens to us. It's not just memory We're not just going through the motions, but we're actually participating in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. What if we believed when we're baptized or when we rededicate ourselves that we actually do move from death to life, that it's not just a fancy ceremony, but something is happening there. I want to see renewal of the idea of church in its most profound sense. I want us to get over our chronic skepticism and bitterness that we got the short straw and it, none of these things have any magic anymore and we want to turn and we want to find these things. We want to find beauty and I want us to find them in the things that we've held as the church for 2,000 years and to see how far we can go with them, to dive into them and just get everything out of them that we can. It's like Thoreau said, to suck the marrow out of life. Like let's get everything we possibly can out of every moment of worship and sacrament and scripture and community and prayer because we don't have a lot of time. We don't. And it's no longer convenient to be a Christian. It's not. So it's, it's decision time. I'm going to take this seriously are we going to immerse ourselves in this? Are we going to come to the throne? Are we going to per, like participate in that river of renewal? Because as we are renewed, so we will become part of God's renewing work in the world around us. Maybe in 2022, God is challenging you to be more missionally focused. He's saying, I've done, I've done this amount of healing in this, in this space with you, where it's just you and I, and you're receiving, and that's good. But there's a certain amount of healing that has to come on the other side of that, and that's the healing through seeking to participate in what God is doing in the world. You will only find so much healing in just that posture of receiving. Like I said, if you've been hurt in community, you can only find healing in community. It's just how it works. If you've been disappointed in worship, you need to find healing in true good worship. And so perhaps in 2022, it's not so much you saying, God, what can I, what can I get from you? It's God, how do I participate with you and what you're doing? And to trust that as I become more outwardly focused, you're gonna continue that process of healing, sometimes without me even recognizing it, that as I grow up and as I mature and I'm, I'm following you wherever you lead me and I'm participating in that healing work, you're actually continuing to do this work within me. So I invite you to stand. I'm going to worship. And I want you just to take time to just pray. Like, is it, is it to come into agreement with this vision? Is it to, to fight with God about it? To shake your fists at the heavens? That's okay. You can do that. He's a big boy. He can take it. But what do you need this time and this space to do for you to enter into this vision that God has given us? Not that you need to understand it. You have permission to not understand what God speaks sometimes. That's okay. Um, But to allow him, to trust him, to lead you places that you normally wouldn't go by your own volition. So I'm gonna pray, and we're gonna worship, and I just want you to take that time with the Lord however uh, you see fit. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this vision for 2022. And God, I pray that the more that we show up, the more that we allow it to wash over us, uh, that the mystery and the awe and the wonder of who you are uh, become real to us. And yet, ironically, the more that we participate, especially when we don't understand, uh, the more we encounter a deep sense of knowing that can only come through showing up, through participating, through engaging with you. God, would you give each of us that vision of hope that you are the one drawing us into your certain future, that there are beautiful shores just over the horizon that we cannot see, but it's not our job to try to get there. We have to let you lead us, and would you speak into this present moment, speak to the deepest part of each one of us, behold, I am making all things new. We pray this in the strong name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at Ch. We hope you join us again soon.